This is the best of episodes 100 to 199, part number two. Welcome to the SOTA Process Podcast. I'm your host, Tom Evans, a fitness professional and trainee, high performance and mindset coach. Every week, we bring to you a state-of-the-art person or idea that will help you to make an impact and live your purpose. Thank you for tuning in today. Now let's define our greatness and be state-of-the-art. going on Sotarians? Welcome back to the Soda Process Podcast. As you guys would have heard the other day, we went through some of the best highlights um, and guests that we've had on the podcast from episodes 100 to 199. And that was episode 200, bang on the dot. This is episode 201, but I wanted to break it down into two different parts, like I mentioned to you guys in the previous episode. So what we're going to be running through today is the second half of episode 200 and the best of and the highlights of all of the guests that we've had on so far. So sit back, relax, take some notes because these are some pretty amazing guests that we've had on as well. So um, yeah, let's kick it off with Sophia Bernardi. What would you say is, I guess, the most common problem that people have when they come to you and how do you sort of go about fixing that for people if there is a common problem? Yeah, so the most common problem I have found, so I work with women who want more out of their life and, you know, want to build confidence with themselves and start living their true passion. Like That's my desired focus. Obviously, you can help people with numerous things, but that's what I'm most passionate about, I suppose, because I've struggled with all of those things myself. Um, and overcome it. But the most common thing I've found is that people just do not believe they're good enough. Everyone just thinks they're not enough to some degree, whether it's not smart enough, rich enough, funny enough, pretty enough, like, um, you know, successful enough. Like, it's just people don't believe they're enough. And it blows my mind how many people say that. Yeah, that's incredible. So I guess, yeah, so confidence is obviously a big one there. So what would you say, um, is I guess the main reason why people are low on confidence and how do you help them to regain that confidence? Mm -hmm. So I would say that, you know, when we're born, we all have confidence within, within ourselves. Like look at babies. They do not care about what you think of them. They will cry, they'll scream, they'll poo, they'll do everything because they just know they're enough. They don't have any limitation telling them that they're not worthy of anything. So they just like, uh, you know, ask for what they want because they just know they need it, if that makes sense. So we all start with the confidence. And I believe it changes when we start to get a little bit older. Generally between the ages of zero and seven is when we pick up on limiting beliefs. So if someone says to you like, you know, you can't do this or like what's wrong with you or I'm just naming some random phrases, like um, when we're told those things, like we lack logic before the age of seven so we believe everything we hear and I think when we start to hear those things whether it's from a teacher or a parent and it might not even be intentional but we do just believe everything we hear so if it happens to click 
something in us at that age, you know, we pick up on it. Like if you tell a three-year-old you can't ride a bike, they're going to believe you because they don't know any better. But after the age of seven, they've developed a bit of a, you know, more logic within them where they would question you before they just agree with you, if that makes sense. So I believe that our confidence, you know, starts to change when we're told like it becomes conditional, like I'll love you if you do this or, you know, you only get praise from your parents if you achieve or if you do well in school or, you know, um, whatever it might be. So it's when those conditions come that things start to change. And for example, and I'll use this as it was my own, I noticed I got a lot more attention from my dad when I did well and when I achieved. He was so proud of me and things like that. So of course, without even realizing it consciously, I grew up trying to achieve all of the time because that's how I then received like love and attention and praise. And so I became very ambitious, which has served me very well in my life, but it also had the consequence that I didn't believe I was enough unless I was achieving, unless I was better than others, unless, you know, I was, um, yeah, doing all these crazy things all the time. Otherwise I wasn't enough. And that's really painful because on the average day, I'm not, you know, climbing mountains and running marathons and things like that. So it led me to not believe I was enough a lot of the time. And that has, you know, very painful effects on people. So, yeah, I hope that So, yeah, something else I want to talk about, which I think will be quite interesting, is how you sort of split up your training for powerlifting. So, I haven't really had a lot of exposure to that style of training. I guess the only thing I've really read into was um, Dr. Eric Helms and his book, The um, The Muscle and Strength Pyramids. And I know he wrote a little, little bit about training for powerlifting and that as well as hypertrophy and stuff. So how do you split up your training in terms of, I guess, how many times a week you're doing your squat, bench, deadlift, um, I guess, other variations and accessory exercises? Sort of talk me through your programming for that. Yeah, cool. Um, obviously, there's so many factors that go into it. So um, I guess I'll just talk about my own personal training first. Um, and then I'll, I'll go into some other recommendations and stuff after that. But um, personally, at the moment, um, I'm doing, I'm performing the squat three times a week. Um, and that is one day is actually no, all at the moment, they're all variations. So I'm only doing a competition squat as I would do it in comp only once a week. And that's a secondary kind of movement. There's going to be so many things where I'm just saying all these random words, but um, the, my, my main primary day at the moment, I'm doing um, a tempo squat. So just a controlled eccentric, three second eccentric on that. Um, and then I do a competition squat back off after that. Um, my secondary squat day is uh, a high bar variation. And then my third day at the moment is front squats. Um, and that, that changes depending on the phase of training I'm in, whether I've got a competition coming up, whether I'm, I don't want to say in an off season, but I'm in an off season kind of thing at the moment. So I'm doing a little bit more variation at the moment, just working on building up some weak points. Um, and then as you get closer to competition, it becomes a little bit more, well, for me personally, it becomes a little bit more specific. Um, for my bench at the moment, um, I've got a coach, he's over in America, so he does all my programming, but we converse back and forth and, and, um, 
have a have a conversation about what's going to work best. But at the moment, we're trying some new stuff for bench. So um, I've literally been doing it for two weeks. So um, it's three. We're doing three days in a row at the moment. Um, just trying out some higher intensities just to see how I respond to that. Um, so the first day is working up to a single and then some back offsets with a little bit higher um, higher rep. Then the second day is uh, a variation, a Larson press, so just a feed up bench. And then the third day is another bench single with some back offsets. Um, and then I have a fourth day as well, which is just high rep stuff. And then my deadlift at the moment is um, a pause variation for my main day and then just some block pulls on my secondary day. So at the moment, it's kind of, um, it's a lot of variation at the moment. Uh, the reasoning behind that is that we did some training towards late last year and we found that, well, previously we've done a lot of um, more comp specific kind of stuff. And while that was good, we did some stuff late last year with more variation and we found that I responded really well to that. Like I was having some, some of my best squat training that I'd ever had. So we're playing off that a little bit more using some more variation and seeing how, how I respond to that. So at the moment, it's kind of a little bit different to what I would usually be doing, um, but it's fun. I'm enjoying it and it seems to be working well for the few weeks that I've been doing it. So that's me personally. Obviously, I wouldn't um, program that for really uh, many of my other clients. There may be one or two that would be doing that, but um, for most of them, that's it's nowhere near <laughs> like that. Yeah, that's incredible. So, if you had to put your finger on something specific, what would you say is the either the sort of one to three biggest things that you learned from COVID that you've still taking away now and still implementing into your businesses now? So, if I could say the biggest thing, it would be that we in current Western society lack any form of resilience. People are doing a lot of work. They're listening to a lot of podcasts. They they know the stuff. They're not doing the stuff. Uh, they're not getting uncomfortable intentionally. I learned about this thing, and I don't know if, you, if you've come across this word yet because I hadn't, and I'm nearly 50, called eustress, which is E-U-S-T-R-E-S-S, eustress. It's the exact opposite of distress. Eustress is when we put ourselves through discomfort on purpose. Let's go basic, exercise. And, it, and whilst it's uncomfortable at the time, even if you love exercise, it has a positive outcome. Now, eustress can be physical, as in exercise. Um, it can be chemical. Think about drugs that we use for cancer. They kill cells in our body. They damage us. Our hair falls out if you've got any, um, you know, you struggle, you feel terrible. But potentially it kills cancer. So it has a positive eventually. Um, it can be psychological. It can be getting uncomfortable on purpose, whether it's physically having a cold shower or psychologically attending a course and then doing the thing that you said you were going to do when you're on the course. Um, all of these things they call you stress. Now you have an option to get, put yourself into stress for a positive outcome on a daily basis, or you will be challenged for a negative outcome, a distress on a daily basis. You don't get a choice about being challenged. It's whether you choose to do positive or negative. And so I was I was amazed that I learned a word at 49 years of age that I'd never learned before called eustress that I now love it. It's become my favorite word because most people I've dealt with, and I'm talking to other people in the psychology fields, and they've never heard of it. It's just a word that they go, oh, maybe I remember that at uni somewhere, but it's not something we as a society picked up on. You and I, as people in this industry, physical industry, as well, we know, put your body under stress, it performs. As an elite athlete, 
put your body under stress or as a soldier and the harder the stress, the harder it is for us to get through. It's not comfortable, but we know it makes us better. Well, now I know a word. It's called use stress. That's what that literally is. There's a word for it. So I learned that. Um, so people lacking resilience, the ability to put ourselves under stress and get out of our comfort zone. And the third thing, if I had to pick one other for me, was having the ability to turn the mirror on myself. When you start to build a bit of a following and you've got big numbers downloading your stuff, and when I say big, big for Australia, when you're starting to stand up in front of big and bigger companies and you know hundreds of people and they're listening to every word that you say, it's easy to think you've got this nailed down. But none of us have got this nailed down. Every challenge that we face, we have to prove ourselves again that we can overcome that challenge before we get the comfort of saying, all right, now that thing's nailed. The next challenge comes along. The challenge for me will be to respond again for a positive. And, and, and so the road goes on. We, we, we never stop learning. And the day we do is a day we get crushed under distress. I think. mentioned to me when we were speaking that a few years ago, like you said, uh, you're quite overweight, exposed to domestic violence and in quite a, uh, a fair bit of debt as well. So if it's not too personal. Um, do you mind sharing that sort of story and how you sort of, I guess, got led down that path to being overweight, to being in debt, and then also how you managed to turn it around and then get back on track in your life? So yeah, for me specifically, the the domestic violence was from a young age, and that's what led me to my first transformation from being 15 to 17, which got me into the martial arts. So evolving through that, right, and I'll go down that path from 17, you know, you start to get into shape, you do that, and we start to reach the, the childhood of 18, you know, and from being a part of me, like, was a wounded kid, right, from the person that was bullied and overweight. And I always seen my self-image as a, a wounded kid, didn't matter how fit, how strong, how fast. I always had this image of myself just being this wounded kid that needed protection. And going through that, like I got out night clubbing and had a really tight group of friends. And, I, you know, it was vicious because like I had this such a beautiful circle of friends and you go out night clubbing, like in this day, like back then when I was 18, it was, it was hectic, you know, like I was exposed, like when we were growing up, there was street parties, fights, cops, riots, everything. Right. And when I did this, you know, I, I began to put my best foot forward. I'm this kid that got bullied. I got this close group of friends. I've been training in martial arts. I'm not going to stand for fucking shit. And that's what led me down a path, you know, you know, my older brother protect me. And he always said to me, he's like, put your best foot forward as I like, don't back down to anyone. And I took that on to be true. He's like, if something arises and I can't be there to protect you, you're just going to be the first one to do it. So that created a lot of issues for me from the 18. I think I had a street fight nearly every weekend from 18 to like almost like when I was 23, 24 years old, I'm 29 now. And, um, you know, I had all these fights and, and and deep down, I was like, I don't even like to like, you know, bully people. I don't, but I had this, I was protecting myself. And what happened was as that happened and my brother came into it as well, we got noticed by a lot of gangs and um, they tried to recruit us because we were the guys at the nightclub that would just fight anyone. No matter who you were, we didn't give a fuck. And that, that, that led us into the gang and like my brother joined first, but his intention behind that wasn't because he wanted to be that. His intention behind that was to protect me because at that time it was only me and him in our world, in our map and model of the world. It was just me and him and we had no one. So he joined to protect me and then I'm still fighting in the background, still having my kickboxing fights, training martial arts. And then, you know, come to a point where he, he, he just decided to join. And in my mind, I had no really awareness about what gangs were or whatever it was back then. You just watch the movies and think it's bloody Sons of Anarchy or something. You know, you think he's going to get, be in gunfights every fucking weekend or something. 
And that was my perception at the time. So I just said, I'm, I'm pushed to a point where I've got to make a decision. Do you know, if I can't help him, if I'm not there to help him, what would happen? So I was like, fuck it, you know, I'll join with you and protect And then my intention behind that was to protect my brother and also to protect my friends as well. So I was like, all right, cool, I'm doing this, not for that stigma, for that lifestyle, but to protect people. And that's what led me into the gang. And then like anything, like being a coach, you know, you get your, your product of the five most people. Proximity is power. You want to create success in your life? Proximity is power. <laughs> you want to be the worst thing in your life? Proximity is power. Even though that I always stayed true to my values, my core values in there, and I never changed from my friends, and I'm so blessed to still have had them, right? Um but yeah, you, you are pro, you're around this sort of environment. It's a hostile environment to some degree. And then you have the violence associated with it all. You become a product of that. And, um, you know, moving through, I, I remember still being in the gang. That's when I, I think 2015 was still in the gang for, I think, two more years. I started personal development in 2015. And that was the pinnacle point. Like um, I was working fly in, fly out, right, trying to you know, just get my, get my fucking life in track. I had no money kept losing jobs because it's just take days off or, you know, I got lost a couple of jobs because of who I am, but who I used to be, sorry. And then I think it got to a point I lost, I think it was my second job I just lost for being associated with gangs and all that other crap that goes along with it and the stigma. And, um, and I remember like getting my job quit. I had, I was on, um, I was on charges actually for, uh, like it was a it was an assault thing that wasn't actually me. I was just a, in there and involved, and the cops just made put two and together. They couldn't get the guys, so they charged me for it. So I was on, char- I was on legal allegation charges, which just cost me a fortune. I lost my job. I had nothing. I become broke. I just got a loan out to pay some of my things. So I think it was forty thousand dollars in debt. I had twenty grand from a personal loan, twenty k for the lawyers, and I had nothing. It got to the point where I couldn't start to pay rent. Like I was struggling to pay rent. I had to do anything that I could to make ends meet. And it wasn't until like it was the buildup of that and then a toxic relationship because I didn't understand. I'm programmed into this environment, a masculine environment where, you know, you got to dominate things. So I got this belief system about how relationships are meant to be working and this. So I was just like, Ooh. and I'm sitting there with internal conflict. I was like, what the fuck's going on here, right? Um, I did and I didn't know and then it was like you know deep down I have this big beautiful loving heart but I'm like conflicted on the inside because of everything that I think to be true because of the environments that I'm associated with so you know going through all of all of that for I was in the club for four years or whatever it was and um, yeah hit that point where I was, she left me that was there I couldn't pay my bills and I was sitting there on my bed I remember crying like is this what your fucking life's come to like you fucking sit there, you can't hold a fucking job down. You can't do this. You can't even hold a relationship together. So you're going fucking nowhere. And because I've got a martial arts background and that that's that that's that that warrior spirit that's in me, that inner strength. And I was just like, nah, nah, I'm not gonna stand for this. Right. I'm not going to fucking stand for this. And that's that pain point, that jolt. Like I said, when you make a powerful decision with conviction and authority to your subconscious mind, that's what changed for me. And I remember just sitting there crying. I was like, fuck this. And then that's when I started. I had no idea what the fuck I was doing. Um, I had no idea. I just, I went to literally went to Google and said how to be successful. (laughs) And and then I just come up with books. I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad. 
So here I am in, I'm still in the gang at this point. So it's 2015, I'm in the gang and I'm starting personal development. I've got this iPad, which I still have here to this day. We're starting Rich Dad, Poor Dad, read that book. Then I was like, I think, How to Think Rich, Grow Rich, read that book. Uh, Donald Trump, Think Like a Champion. So I started to read all these books and I got into real estate, understood and learned about real estate. Then I read like Cash Flow Quadrant, still while being involved. So it was like a, a lifestyle of yin and yang. We got chaos and destruction on one side and then the balance and this, this gang member doing personal development and this this continued i think i left the, the club in early 2017 and this brings me to that point where you were saying before so i'm doing this yin yang bullshit like going out on the weekends taking drugs taking alcohol literally everything coming home paralytic and stuff like that then i'd go back up to work get back into my training study until i go to bed so i was working 12 hour days at one point I get up, go to the gym. I remember when I was at Barrow, I'd get up at 2.30, go to the gym, work 12 hours a day, just train again, and then work on personal development until I go to bed. And that was like 9.30 at night, get six to six, sometimes in between five and seven hours, and then I'd do it again. And I'd done this for years and years. And something like I was got to the point where like I was just losing. So then I started reading mindset books. I started, so like, how the hell do people do this? Mindset books, Google that, read a mindset book. And I just kept doing this and I'd forget shit. So I had to think about how to retain information. I did all this for years and years. And then 2017, I left the gang. And is this just before I keep going, is this still on point to your question? Yeah, 100%, man. Yeah. So, yeah, in 2017, right? Like, um, I think I left the, the gang in March or April with my brother. There was a big division in the in the club that I was in at that time. And they, they, they split apart internal affairs this happened, this happened. And it was, it was just done and dusted. I was like, no, nah, this isn't for me anymore. Good. And I, and, and throughout this time, because I got financial literacy and understand, I paid off all my debt while still being in the club, paid off all my debt, uh, saved all this money. So I, I could do that because I knew deep down, I was a scaffolder rigger working fly in, fly out. Right. And I didn't want to fucking do this for the rest of my life. And I knew that I was doing, I read it was just literally, I was relentless, but I was relentless in getting here. Like I would literally work and every waking hour, and then I'd go home for a week or two and blow up, you know, drinking piss, like spending like fifteen to $2,000 in five days or whatever, sometimes even more. And then I'd come back and then I'd get it. So it was very yin and yang lifestyle. And then, like I said, 2017, left the gang. That was it. You know what I mean? And then 2017, uh, I went to Tony Robbins live event. So like attached with that, you know, you got like being through the club, you got insecurities, you got doubts, you got internal conflict. Like my value say this, you say that. You're left with so many, and you're left with uncertainty within you, right? And and fear, fear of rejection, fear of judgment, fear of failure. I'm not good enough. I'm fucking, you know, all of this starts to stack up on you. And then I was just like, you know, and like even still knew the mindset books, and I had very good self awareness. It was still stuck with me. And then I went to. Like I said, 2017, went to Tony Robbins, had a massive, you know, I got stepped again to step myself into the next level again, right? Step to the next level again. And then I think it was either 2017, December, I quit my quit FIFO. And that's when I started my own business with my best friend, Benny. And uh, I think it was 2017 or 2018. No, it was 2017. And then that's when we opened up a, a gym called Core 9. And then we've just been nailing that ever since. And throughout that period, like, I think it was, a, yeah, I, I think um, in 2016 or 17, I become an NLP practitioner, mental health first aider. And then I kept, kept scaling my knowledge and, and behavioral specialist because I was so passionate about it. Like, 
how can I go from fucking this to this? And I knew it was mindset. So I was reading books after books, learning how, to, you know, just how the mind works and how you have the ability to create your own reality. And it's whatever your, whatever the reflection of your internal world is the reflection of your outer world. And that brings that shit to existence. Right. And that's why, how I got to become, you know, like slowly turning this business that I have into a successful business opening up hopefully another one in April and June and then running an online coaching practice um, because I, I become so passionate about mindset, passionate about changing people's lives because here I am like, you know, for 2021, 2015, like it, was, like it was literally fucked. You know what I mean? And then for me to be able to do that and then do what most other people can't like become, you know, like quit their job and actually start something and stay there. I just thought that was a, a a figment of my fucking imagination. I didn't think you could do that. I literally thought that that was just, you know, it was stuck in a fixed mindset saying that that's not me. I can't do that. I was born from this upbringing and that's, it's impossible. For me. But in terms of trying to, I guess, increase our diversity of gut flora, um, I know from some research I've done, people often talk about eating 30 different plant sources a week. Um, there's some people that sort of swear by certain different supplements. So what's your sort of go-to for trying to increase um, your flora in your gut? Is it come down to diversity of food? Yep, 100%. So that research you're talking about is the American Gut Project, um, where they released their preliminary findings. It must have been about two years ago now. And they showed that people who ate 30 or more different plant foods a week had a much more diverse and abundant gut microbiome than people who ate 10 or less plant foods in a wow. week. So what we actually took from this is that the diversity and abundance of plant foods in your diet reflects the diversity and abundance of bacteria living in your gut. So again, our food, plant foods are full of fiber. Fiber provides fuel for those gut bugs. So it keeps it healthy. It's kind of like putting, um, feeding your gut, watering your garden every day, you know, feed your gut bags with fiber every day and water your garden every day and that'll keep it healthy and nourished. Awesome. And does there need to be, why is it sort of um, more a diverse range of fruits and vegetables? Why can't it just be 10, even though you might be hitting a specific amount of fiber, why does it need to be the diversity of different fruits and vegetables? Well, remember we have more bacteria than there are stars in the Milky Way to choose from. Gut bacteria are really picky eaters. Okay. And certain bacteria, like certain types of fiber or certain nutrients to fuel them, the more options you're giving them, the more bacteria you're likely to be feeding. Yeah, that makes sense. So are there any other supplemental forms that you would take to help someone improve their gut health in terms of, I know some people have talked about glutamine before, but again, from what I've looked into, I don't see how that's all that beneficial. And then obviously we've already spoken about probiotics, but is there anything else that you would take as a supplement to help with gut health? So I would always, as a dietitian, I work from a food first point of view. Yeah. So I would always try and get there with diet first. Um, in terms of fiber recommendations, we're looking at about 25 to 30 grams a day is considered an adequate in intake in Australia. Um, if I need to fill that fiber gap, if we're not able to get there with food, then I may use a fiber supplement. Um, the one that I'm really, really loving at the moment has been on the market for about 18 months to two years, a product called K-Fiber. It's derived from sugarcane. 
I don't know if you've heard of it or not. It's no, no, I haven't. Yeah, so most of the sucrose has been removed. Okay. So it's actually just the fiber from the sugarcane plant. What's really cool about K fiber is that it's a mix of mix of soluble and insoluble fibers. The thing with insoluble fibers is that they're really the they're full of prebiotics and they're really good for our gut, but they're often not as well tolerated as soluble fibers. So insoluble fibers tend to cause bloating, tend to make people a little bit gassy sometimes. This is a good thing because it's actually short chain fatty acids, which are really important for managing the pH in the gut and reducing bowel cancer risk and things like that. But if they're not well tolerated, people aren't going to take them. Um, What's really cool about K-fiber is that it's fermented slowly and it's slowly throughout the entire gut, um, which makes it better tolerated. So the faster a fiber is fermented, the more gas it produces. The slower it's fermented and if it's fermented along the entire gut, that's going to be a lot better tolerated and it's also actually going to provide benefit for the whole gut microbiome, not just the first part of the gut. So um, that's that's what I'm loving about K-Fiber and I'm seeing a lot of people get really good results with it. So that's where I start at the moment usually. So what would you say is the biggest impact that it's had on your life then in terms of the yoga you've done? Physically, digestion-wise, is really amazing and lower back strength. Mentally and emotionally, spiritually-wise, I am just so much more able to communicate um, more eloquently and more honestly. I think it's just calling myself on my own shit, like knowing where I've been, breaking that down, really purifying my body and going, wow, you've been conditioned in so many ways. Um, and then redirecting myself in a positive direction. So in combination with doing other personal development and mindset stuff, it's just, it's the ultimate, um, it's the ultimate compliment. Like, yeah. I just love what it's done for me, probably mentally and emotionally the most. I mm. feel much more able to be authentic and calm and to respond rather than react. Yeah, that's amazing. So I guess in terms of um, uh, like the definition of yoga per se, I think from what research I've done, it sort of means to unite or to join. Now, I guess this definition is probably open to interpretation a lot as well in that I assume people are probably using yoga as a way to connect with uh, themselves or with other people or maybe it's to connect with the earth and that sort of thing so for you how would you I guess define what yoga is and then is this sort of um, this uniting or joining to different things how do you find that in the yoga you do is it more joining to people to the earth what's your go-to for that these are really great questions, Tom. You're just, you're a legend. I love it. <laughs> um, <laughs> so in the simplest term, without, I guess what it means for me, and yes, the actual definition of the word means to join or to unite. I think it means like to yoke. So, um, but we're just on a completely simple basis for me, yoga means taking you from where you are to where you want to go. 
So influencing your current life in a positive direction. And, and that is in any way, shape or form that serves you and not justifying like, oh no, eating a tub of ice cream really gets me there. Like, you know, I've thought that at times. It's just like, no, Lauren, this is not helping today. I think we need to like start getting back on track. So yeah, just on that, on that really basic level, positively influencing the direction of change so that we can achieve our core aim or purpose in life. And, you know, the first step to that is really overcoming your limitations and challenges. So you can't just expect to go, oh, I've done yoga. Yeah, I'm enlightened and whatever. It's like getting to a place of balance and calm usually has come from a place of extreme imbalance and ill health, whether that's mentally, physically, um, yeah, whatever capacity that is. Um, in terms of connecting to students, I, in general, just love connecting to people's stories, like how we met, really. It was like, just tell me about you. I want to know about you. And it's, and it's seeing the beauty in somebody's soul beyond who they might be telling themselves that they are. And I do that a lot through observation, talking to people, understanding what their dog's name is, what they do when they go home after yoga, what they do before yoga, um, having a cup of chai with them after a class maybe, or, you know, even just sending them a message and, and checking in going, hey, I noticed you seemed a little bit off today and I didn't want to bring it up in class like is everything okay and yeah like no obligation to get back but for me it's always been about observing people and really um really coming across in an authentic way that I am there to guide you and support you and that I'm not just a teacher and I'm not sitting on a pedestal like I'm on the ground with you I'm up here teaching with my words but I'm only saying the words that I need to hear as well. And I'm, I'm riding along with you. So I guess in a sense, <clears throat> I am at one with them on the same physical floor. And I've never liked to teach in places that have a platform because it just doesn't feel, doesn't feel right to me. So on the topic of foods then, are there specific foods? I know this is probably a pretty broad question and, disregarding fast foods and packaged foods and you know synthetically manufactured foods and things like that but are there any foods that for you that are absolute non-negotiables that you will not have in your diet that most people might think are a healthy food and are there on the contrary other foods that you will always have in your diet 100 every week of the year uh, so I will never have every, anything every week of the year. I don't think that's the way we're designed. That's my own personal bias and information that I come across. Yeah, We only had fridges. We only had a fridge in our house from like late 1950s. Yeah. So we go back to what would grow in a natural situation. Now here in WA, and this might go a bit deep, so I'm going to try and go fast to keep it down for time. Here in WA, WA is a massive state, yeah? You all go all the way down to nearly South Australia where it's quite cold and you go all the way up, it's quite warm. You can get a naturally grown banana every day of the year that's WA local, yeah? But most of us white people never lived in Australia. Who did? The Aboriginals. Yeah? The Aboriginals, yeah. They have a completely different body shape, 
Yeah, there were some that lived inland. Yeah, some lived a bit more, um, you know, coastal. So there was different variations in that. Yeah, it's a super hot place. Yeah, okay. White people normally come from where it's a bit cooler. Yeah, when it's a bit cooler, there's a bit more of a seasonal change. And in the seasonal change, if I could have access to an apple, how long would I have access to an apple for? As long as it's in season, I guess. As long as it's in season. And then I wouldn't get it again until it was in season. Mm. Yeah. So I believe that we can eat as much of what we want. Yeah. Like our apples got a bad. It doesn't really matter. Yeah. If you only ate them in season, you probably couldn't eat too many. <laughs> yeah. 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 So that I think that's one of the biggest things. Yeah. People don't have enough break from stuff. Yeah. So I love I love the acronym when it comes to food, soul. Eat soul food. Seasonal, organic, unprocessed, local. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Is there anything that I would not ever eat? I'm not going to say that because um, I don't I don't work that way. So I, how do I put it? I am a lot more of a person that's much easier to say no to something than have little bits of it. I'm more of an abstainer than a moderator, yeah? Yeah. My partner can have a piece of chocolate today and a piece tomorrow and a piece the next day. And as long as I didn't find it, she could keep doing that till the block went down. Yeah, where me, I'll just eat the whole block in one go. <laughs> yeah. But um, life happens and I'm in a particular way that the backbone of my diet is a particular way. So it doesn't, I don't get put out too much. Yeah. If I went to your place and I saw you putting vegetable oil and you cooked me dinner, I'd be like, fuck, I really don't want to eat this, but I'm not going to make it worse by stressing about it. Okay. Yeah. Now, so <laughs> one thing I do my very, very, very best to avoid at all cost is farm um, animals. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Con conventionally farmed animals. And grain fed yeah. and things like that. Grain fed, kept in concentrated animal feeding operations. Yeah, both for my heart, for the environment, for the animal welfare. It, it doesn't really go with me. Yeah, same thing though, if I walked up to your house and you gave me a piece of bacon that was cooked that way, I'm not going to be rude. Yeah, sometimes I'll eat it, sometimes I won't. But yeah, I'm not going to be a dick. I, I control my life in other ways to, to do that. One of the other things that's quite important, so that's something that I definitely, I'm a big believer in, in, in seasonal eating. Mm. Yeah, I think that's one of the biggest mistakes a lot of people make is they don't get enough variety. Yeah, and there's a lot of different ways. I, I think seasonal breaks are, are great. Yeah? yeah, and then four-day rotation is really, really good. I think organic speaks for itself. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. So um, what was the other thing I was going to say on that one note? Yeah, no, that, that's pretty much it. That's pretty much it. Oh, the other thing is health food is really dependent on you as the person. Yeah. So some people go, oh, yeah, man, you know, kombucha or fermented foods, these are really, really great. Yeah. Maybe not if you've got candida. Mm. Yeah, you know what I mean? It's, it's not great if you've got candida. You know, certain vegetables are more higher in sulfate or yeah, and sulfides, et cetera. Well, these high sulfur foods aren't great if you've got things like ulcerative colitis or Crohn's. Yeah. Like, so health food isn't, there's no one health food. Yeah. There are particular foods that are better in different situations. Now, something that's really cool is a couple of studies have been done. Okay. One study was done when they looked at milkshakes 
and they called this shake the indulgent. Yeah. Now this thing was fucking full of fat. It was all chocolate and cream. You know, it was like a thousand calories. Yeah. Then they had another one, which was the light and healthy, had pretty much nothing in it, like water and whey protein. Yeah, that's it, nothing. When people had these two different shakes, their body set up their metabolism differently to deal with it. Yeah, that was right. the same shake. In the yeah. test, it was the same shake, yeah? Yeah, so my body will set myself up to handle the food differently depending on my emotional state. Interesting. Yeah. So... There's other ones done where they use a capsaicin cream. They put this cream on people. You see, it's either the numb you. It's got Novocaine in it. It's going to numb you or it's going to burn you. It's got the hot stuff in it like chilies, yeah? It was just the one cream, yeah? So just the same cream. But people had a localized immune response that was wow. different. Okay? So we can change our metabolism and our immune response based on my mind, yeah? So if I happen to eat, like some of these vegetable oils have a half-life of 50 days. So I know if I eat it, it's going to be in me for 50 days, yeah? I'll try not to eat it too much, okay? So, but I'm not going to add to it now and throw all this other stuff up with the emotion of that sort of component, okay? So that's really important. So for me, I have a different approach. I believe if we connect a bit more to what diet is right for you, which takes a bit longer, yeah? Mm. A bit more self-mastery. We've got different intron lengths. We've got different abilities to break down foods. We've got different things that work for us. We have different health conditions. But when you learn the right balance, you never have to count calories. You never have to count calories. Yeah. Your body will just self-regulate itself. When you're connected to that identity of a person that lives a particular way, all your behaviors fall into place. So if you do a bit of identity upgrading and do some habits, yeah, four minutes of breathing, in that time, give gratitude to your food because that food has given its life for you to consume it. So give gratitude to the food. Take that moment to downregulate your nervous system. Yeah. Eat seasonally. Yeah. Now, if you're unwell, you have to do some certain protocols to overcome that. Yeah. So sometimes healthy eating isn't good if you're or healthy eating isn't good if you have a particular gut issue. Yeah. If you've got intestinal hyperpermeability or you got SIBO or you got candida or you got ulcerative colitis or yeah there's a little bit more to it than some of this but sometimes there's different compounds we want to stay away from but in general yes from there where do people then go if they do want to start investing whether it be in stocks or even if it's property or something, I, I know we spoke about the sort of different buckets with Tony Robbins, but say if someone wants to get into the stock market or crypto, where do they sort of go from there? Yeah, so um, yeah, stock markets basically just uh, open up a brokerage account. Um, in Australia, that is as simple as say, if you bank with NAB or Commonwealth, um, creating a ComSec account or a NAB trade account. Um, or there's there's heaps of apps now as well. Like I I personally haven't um, had exposure to the apps, but I think you got like uh, Spaceship is one of them, um, uh, eToro, all those kind of investing apps. Uh, Self Wealth, I've heard a lot of good things about Self Wealth. Um, there are a lot lower brokerage fees because every time you buy or sell shares, you pay a brokerage fee, and um, especially if you're doing lower end, say five hundred dollar um, purchases and you're paying 15 bucks in that purchase, you know, the, the percentage starts to eat into your game straight away. But um, yeah, first step is to create your brokerage account and fund it. And then um, I'm a massive advocate for, say, if, if 
if you haven't got the time or you're not willing to put a lot of research into investing, uh, into researching a single company, um, and I, I personally, that's my um, strategy. I like to invest in single companies knowing that I've put a lot of effort into researching. I know with a high degree of confidence it's going to make me money. But if it, it does take a lot of time and a lot of research, um, a lot of education. So um, I'm a massive advocate for buying uh, indexes. So um, they're usually on uh, the stock market as an exchange-traded fund, so ETF. Um, and that's how you can buy, like you mentioned, the S&P 500, or you can buy the Australian um, you know, ASX 200. Um, and Vanguard's a good one, Vanguard uh, ETFs. They usually uh, cover most indexes around the world. Hey, Sotarians. Thank you so much for listening to that episode. Now, just quickly before you leave, please head over and subscribe to the podcast. That way you'll know exactly when the next episode is out so you never miss a beat. And also make sure you head over and give the podcast a review as well. That's going to help us to grow and expand the show and get your feedback on exactly what you want to hear from us, what guests you want us to get on, and how we can improve the overall listening experience for yourself. Now, if you took some value from this episode, please make sure you take a screenshot and post it on your Instagram story. Don't forget to tag myself at Coach Tom Evans and at The Soja Process so that we know you're listening and can get some instant feedback from the show. Also, while you're there, be sure to check out the awesome show notes we have down below. We've got a couple of different partners that are offering some awesome discounts on some products specifically for you as a listener of the podcast. All right, guys, you know what to do. It's time to get out there, define your greatness, and be state of the art.